Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Lifestyle Mastery and today I'm excited to have Lindsay Peterson who is a brand strategist with a scientific and growth-oriented approach to brand building. She has advised companies from, from startups to national corporations including Starbucks, T-Mobile, uh, IMDB and Coinstar. Her background as a PL owner and Clorox uh, fostered in Lindsay a deep appreciation for the executive's charge including the company's value. There she made led uh, mature billion dollar businesses and newly launched categories uh, from uh, Clorox bleach to armor all to Prater. In each case, she was solely responsible for increasing the business's value. Lindsay runs Ironclad Brand Strategy and she's recently launched a best-selling book, which is called Forging an Ironclad Brand. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Having me, Rohit. Awesome. So, you know, um, uh, you, you, you've been a brand strategist for, for, for such a long time. Uh, um, and you, you've been a, a, a panel owner at Clorox. So how, how did you get your interest into, into brand strategy? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So at, when I was a brand manager at Clorox and Clorox is, is, um, most people know Clorox for Clorox bleach, but it's a house of brands that has about a hundred brands, businesses across a lot of categories, Casey Masterpiece barbecue sauce and Kingsford charcoal and Brita water filters and glad trash bags. Um, uh, So it's a, it's, it's, there's a broad range of brands um, kind of in the school of Procter and Gamble or General Mills or Nestle or Johnson and Johnson. And with that model, the brand manager is the CEO of the business. So, um, for example, I was the brand manager of Clorox Bleach Pen, and so I owned the PNL, and um, my charge was to grow the business profitably. And when you're in a category that's that's full of largely undifferentiated products, which is often the case in consumer packaged goods brand is the primary source of differentiation and so you have if you want to have a thriving business when you're in a category like that you really have to be dialed in with your brand you need it to be distinctive and resonant with your customer and um, something that is sharp edge so that people remember it and tell their friends about it so in that environment you 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 kind of um uh, you have to make it a science because it's it's the way that you can make your business succeed. And when I was in that role, I loved, that was probably my favorite part of the role was uh, identifying and crystallizing the North Star, the brand strategy. And when when I did that, it, it was so, um, it was so liberating as, as the business owner to have that because it provided these guardrails and guidance for decision-making and um, enabled us to punch above our weight because we had such a singular crystal clear um, um, brand promise that we could message and that we could innovate against. So I just loved that. And so that's, that was the environment where I, 
um, learned the science of building a brand strategy. And then I left uh, to start my own consulting firm doing this for other businesses. And um, just because I enjoyed it so much and I saw, um, I, I remembered how relieved and free I felt when I, when I was a leader and I had this tool. And I saw so many businesses and leaders in particular who did not have that tool and even misunderstood what the tool was, thought that brand was a logo or um, a, you know, a tagline or uh, TV advertising. So mm. I have a lot of heart for demystifying it and just making it this tool that leaders in any vertical can use to guide their business. Got it. And, uh, you know, I was, I was reading your, your book and uh, as benching before the call that we've got a lot of listeners, you know, who uh, either either in a nine to five job or they're looking into, into build their, their household. So, um, so what, what uh, you know, uh, the podcast is, uh, is too, a too short time frame to talk about, but, but what does a brand mean? You know, uh, would it, is, is it a combination of a name, a logo, color? Uh, what, what, what do you think would a brand mean to you? Yeah, yes. Thanks for asking that because it really is, it, it's so important to start with this understanding of what it is. Um, so a, a brand is the meaning that you stand for in the mind of your audience. It's the thing that, it's the idea that you own to your customer. And it comes through in everything that that customer experiences of your business from the visual, you know, what's the name of your business? What's the logo and the color and the, the visual identity for sure. But it also comes through and what's their product experience and um, how do, how do they feel having interacted with your product and what's the personality and tone of your business? All of those things together, um, the sum total of all of those experience, that's what, uh, sets that meaning in the mind of your customer. So it's very common, especially in high tech environments, even com consumer inter internet companies, it's common to think that brand is uh, equal to the visual identity, the logo, the colors. And that's true. That is an expression of the brand. Hopefully it's uh, a visual expression that is aligned with the meaning that you want to stand for but it's a mistake to 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 think that that's all that brand is because um a consumer is more is smarter than that the consumer is going to um give you credit for the thing not just the thing you know the way that you show up visually but the value that they're getting from choosing you to from choosing to be your customer those are the things that really um, establish and reinforce the meaning in their head. Um, so yes, like the, those things that you mentioned are part of brand, but they don't equal brand. It's kind of like taking a person and saying that that person is equal to the clothes that she's wearing. Um, those clothes, hopefully they kind of um, reflect what she's like, but she is not her clothes. Got it, got it. And, um, you know, what, what would you, what do you think is the first step in brand building strategy? Yes. Yes. So the, the, the very first most fundamental, uh, question that leaders, you know, whether this is a very, you know, tiny 
burgeoning startup to you know a side hustle or whether it's a huge company the very first question is who are you serving who is this person what is the theme that ties together the people that you want to serve who, who you are going to bring disproportionate value who are these people what are they like what is um, what is the problem that they're experiencing that you are going to come in and help solve? And what's it like to have that problem? That's the very first step to orient the rest of what you're going to create for this audience, for this customer. If you don't have that, then the rest of what you do is going to feel kind of diluted. Um, it's not going to be uh, it's going to be difficult to create something that's precise, uh, to create a brand meaning that is precise if you aren't super um, curious and honest with yourself about who is this person that you're serving and what's their state, what's their unmet need. So that's the, that's the first thing. Um, and um, funny enough, it's the thing that I think people either skip or rush through when they're identifying what's their brand meaning going to be. But in order to know what your brand meaning is going to be, you need to know who you are going to mean something to. Um, and then you can make decisions across your business that optimize for that, for that person, um, as opposed to just kind of willy nilly making decisions for a generic, um, for a generic audience. Got it. And, uh, you know, you've been into consumer uh, goods for such a long time. Do you think uh, Amazon has made it difficult for, for brands to be, to be relevant in these times? It's, it, this is a question that I see a lot, which is what is the role of brand, especially for a consumer, a consumer business right. um, that maybe, maybe even sells on Amazon? What's the role of brand in that realm? And what I say is, um, if you're in an increasing, if you're in an environment that increasingly um, uh, puts price pressure on you and your peers in, in the, that realm, it's even more important to stand for something that has nothing to do with price. So it's the same, um, it's the same idea, but the importance of it is now actually more urgent because consumers have so much more information, um, whether it's reviews um, that they find on Amazon um, in other categories as well, like TripAdvisor, if you're in the travel category, um, you have much more access as a consumer to information that you had before. Um, all the more reason to be crystal clear about what it is that makes you both meaningful to your customer and distinctive from the rest of the pack. So it's more important now. Um, it's, it's, it's like um, when there is more pressure put on things, kind of commoditizing a category, it's even more important to find a way to not be a commodity. And brand is the, the best way that I know to create that enduring um, and specific competitive advantage. The other thing, and this is maybe kind of a broader part of your question, is in a world, so take away Amazon for a minute, just the information overload of um, anybody um, who, 
you know, which is most adults now who have a smartphone and they're on screens a lot of the time and they are bombarded with, uh, with stimuli, with, with messages. Right. And w in a world where attention is scarce and becoming even more scarce, the way that you stand out is by being specific by not being generic or bland or general, because the way that you capture a human being's attention is by bringing them something that's distinctive and that means something to them. So the bar is just higher now. It's actually just higher stakes to have a brand that's both resonant with customers and distinctive from the rest of the category. Uh, yeah, no, I completely agree that you know you got to be specific and uh, you got to target to the to the right audience. Um, uh, so you know uh, we have a lot of listeners who uh, are either building an FBA business or building an e-commerce business. Um, so do you think for for startups or for for smaller companies uh, should they focus more on brand positioning or customer acquisition? Yes, both and. <laughs> yeah. So the. Um, and actually, I want to parse this out a little bit because even the question itself presupposes that it's binary, that you're choosing between brand and customer acquisition. So um, again, kind of back to the meaning of brand, your brand strategy, so the your brand is what you stand for in the mind of your audience. Your brand strategy is the deliberate exercise of defining what that meaning should be. So that's a one-time thing that you do as a business. Ideally, you do it one time. If you do it right, you don't have to do it a whole lot. Um, that's not a marketing spend. So that's not, you don't allocate resources against your brand strategy. What you do allocate resources against and where there does become a bit of a trade-off with customer acquisition tactics is once you're spending money on marketing, do you spend it on bottom of the funnel, you know, capturing customers, or do you spend it on top of the funnel generating brand awareness? And I stick by the idea that brand awareness tactics should also are their leads too. It's just that they're longer, they're longer lead time leads, right? Whereas an email marketing uh, tactic is going to um, ideally sell customers right away. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, you know, once, once, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, once, you know, somebody is trying to build a, to build a brand, be it a, uh, you know, B2C or B2B brand, do you think the brand positioning is same for, uh, for each of these businesses? For, you mean, like, depending on whether it's a small business or a large business or depending on what type of business? What, what, yeah. Yeah. In. So, so, so if your business is serving human beings, yeah. um, then you need a brand strategy. If, if your business is serving robots, then I'm not sure how much a brand strategy will help you. But the difference between B2B and B2C when it comes to brand is largely uh, overstated because whether you're serving, um, you know, Sally, who is a, uh, mom purchasing a soccer ball for her kids as a consumer, or whether you're serving Sally, who's the head of human resources at a given company, and she's making a B2B 
decision for her company, you're still serving Sally. She's still a person and she has, um, she has things that keep her up at night. She has, um, she has things that cause her pain and joy and um, she has rational needs and she has emotional needs. When the, the B2B companies that recognize that are the ones that stand out. When B2B companies think, oh, we're B2B, so we don't need a brand, they're not recognizing the humanity of their customer. Um, so now there are lots of ways that it becomes different after you have a brand strategy. The marketing organization for B2B is going to look really different from the marketing organization for B2C. It's going to be much more sales focused. Um, the, the, the tactics will be different. Um, the org structure, the budget, a lot of things are going to be quite different, but the definition of what your business uh, brings to your customer is still, it's, it's important regardless of what category you're in, whether you're B2B or B2C. If anything, the B2B companies are the ones with the most to gain because so few B2B companies recognize this and dismiss brand as um, something that's fluffy that is not necessary for their world. So I encourage B2B companies to embrace this because it can, uh, doing brand, thinking about brand in this holistic way can itself become a competitive advantage. Got it. And, and do you have any favorite B2B companies who've, who've done their brand positioning uh, in the right way? I love that there, there are there aren't as many as B2, B2C companies, but, but the, if you think of like any, I, I can think of a few. Um, if you think of a B2B brand that you feel some affinity for, they probably have done this. They have either overtly or implicitly defined their brand strategy. Um, so for me personally, Slack yeah. um, is just a great, really um, a, a brand that, I feel like I have a relationship with, just like I have a relationship with a person. Slack, Slack is much more than a technology to me. Salesforce.com, same thing. Um, to a lesser extent, some of the Microsoft, um, some of the Microsoft, like now Microsoft Teams is something I use. Zoom, which you and I are using right now, is a B2B purchase for my business. And I have a lot of affinity and loyalty to zoom so these are all um these are all companies that have been very deliberate about who it is they want to serve and what they uniquely bring to that person and i, I think that's the reason that i personally like them this is me talking as a um, a customer of those companies but i think that listeners can all think okay as a business what are purchases or what are brands that we work with and if you have a good feeling about them that goes beyond uh, the price that you pay them, that they have some brand equity for you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, Zoom and Microsoft are some of my favorite, uh, you know, B2B brands. Um, so, so uh, Linda, let's talk about the book uh, that you've uh, written, which is Forging an Ironclad Brand. Uh, so what made you write the book and who's the book for? Yes. I kept having the same conversation over and over with leaders who um, thought that kind of had a hunch that brand was important, but felt a little bit, uh, felt like it was kind of squishy or kind of um, 
a little bit mist, you know, shrouded in mystique. And I had a lot of heart for deconstructing it for them to see, actually, this is something that has a huge amount of utility for you as a leader, um, as you're making decisions to, uh, to grow your business, to, to make your business one that will thrive for years and years to come. And it, it was, it became, it came to the point where I was having this conversation so often that it felt necessary for me personally to, to put it into, um, put it into either, well, it started with blog posts and then it became a book because I think that this, this idea um, that brand is a leader's most uh, trustworthy tool in growing their business, I think it's, it is so useful um, and it's so broadly dismissed outside of consumer packaged goods. So I just had this bee in my bonnet and um, decided this, I, I couldn't not write this book. Very interesting. Uh, you know, I, I've, uh, you know, read your book and it's been, it's been very well written. Uh, uh, but in the, in the book, you talk about the nine criteria for ironclad brand strategy. So, you know, uh, can you tell us about what are the criteria about? Sure. And this is um, stepping back one of the, and we, I mentioned, I used the word squishy a minute ago. Uh -huh. One of the things that I heard from leaders that I was working with is, um, you know, we leaders, especially, you know, if you're a P&L owner, if you're a CEO, if you're a general manager, if you're a founder, um, it feels like we just don't really have time for something that's squishy and it makes us uncomfortable. And what, uh, what I kept noticing as I was studying brands is the most value creating brands, the ones that um, that best differentiate their business from the rest of the category, they actually share these pretty hard criteria. Um, it's not squishy. So the, the components of a brand that I call it iron, an ironclad brand, the components of an ironclad brand, which is one that creates outsized value for the company, um, are something that I started to codify. So I identified nine qualities that ironclad brands all possess. And I'll share with you the first two, just so I don't um, um, eat up a lot of your time. Um, the, the, first, the first criterion of an ironclad brand is that it's big. I use the word big. It yeah. has to be a big promise. So the need that you're solving for your customer should be a significant one. You don't want to like build your business around solving a need that's not very consequential to your audience. So number one, it should be a big promise. You should occupy a big space in the mind of your audience. But number two is that it should also be narrow. So it should be big enough to matter, that's number one, but it should also be narrow enough that you can own it where you are the only one who can uh, deliver on this promise. So a lot of uh, kind of poor brands stem from not adhering to these first two uh, cr criteria for the ironclad brand. They either don't go after something big and meaningful or they do, but they don't have a narrow specific 
point of view on solving that problem. And then they become too general and it's just like, you know, customers um, don't pay attention to them because they're not claiming something specific. So, so I would start with that, like come up with something big, but also ensure that it's narrow enough where you can dominate. Got it. And, and uh, you know, I want to talk about storytelling uh, uh, for, for a brand, especially for uh, the Gen Zs and, and millennials who have a very, uh, who may not buy the same products, which, uh, you know, baby boomers or the previous generation would buy. So how important is storytelling for the new set of generations who are going to come on, uh, over and, you know, buy the sort of products they want to buy? Story is wildly important. And story actually is an ancient, it's, a, it's as ancient as human, as homo sapiens are. It, it actually is the tool for communication that has made our species survive. Yeah. Um, it's, it's why we have been, even though our competitor human species were larger than we were, because we could tell stories, we were able to persuade large groups of people to collaborate with us and it helped us to survive. So we're hardwired to embrace story. And um, the thing about story when it comes to communication is that it, it, when you tell a story about your business or you use story to convey the meaning of your business, it doesn't invite debate. So if you talk, talk about the facts of your product, like the features of your product, your audience is like, like they're, they're in there like, uh, prefrontal cortex kind of thinking, yeah, but do I need that? Or yeah. But if you tell a story um, about um, why you came up with this business or the person um, who is sort of like the poster child for enjoying the offering that you create, um, it lights up their brain in a different way that makes them receptive to what you're saying. And um, so people, I mean, I don't know how generational this really is. I actually think that we have always embraced story and that it's just this underutilized tool, particularly among business leaders who are product driven. So they've created this product that they're so proud of. You know, they're so proud of the features and all of the attributes of their product, but they forget that their audience is not just as enamored with their product as they are. Pro audiences kind of, you know, we humans, we're enamored with ourselves. So when you use story to, as sort of a doorway in to um, create magnetism for your product, you just are gonna be more successful. So I really encourage leaders to think of that as a way to, um, just as a format for communicating um, and your brand strategy in a way is it's almost like a super story. It's the overarching story of your business. It's the, it's the character, it's the, um, it's the problem that you solve and it's the way that you solve that problem. All of that is like the, a template for all of the stories that you'll tell as a leader. Got it. And uh, so, so let's quickly do the top three, uh, you know, what's your favorite business book other than the book that you've written? Oh, yes. My favorite business book, probably the one that I most recommend is called Different and it's by Young Me Moon. 
And it is just, um, I've reread it several times. It came out probably six, seven years ago. Um, it's, it's kind of goes back to the first principles of um, how are you going to create something that's just, that isn't just one of the pack that's truly different from everything else. And it's just beautifully written and inspiring. So I encourage listeners to read Different by Young Me Moon. Karan, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. And, um, you, know, you know, if you could go back in time when you, when you started uh, your consulting business, uh, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? Yeah, so many things. <laughs> um, I think that if I could, like, if I had, if I could give my younger self advice, career advice in general, and, and also entrepreneurial advice, it's the importance, don't underestimate the importance of mindset, of the importance of your own, um, your own state of mind, and kind of like um, the, um, the importance of kind of stepping into your own authority and expertise and owning it. Um, I used to think I used to think that there was like, there was somebody like a more mature, more wise person who knew all the answers to everything. And um, now I realize that all of all leaders have their own, you know, have insecurities and have things that they feel uncertain about. And um, it's not like you're alone when you feel that way. And that that has been really helpful to me and to I know a lot of my clients too is like just know that like nobody has it figured out we're all trying to do this and you have as much right to try to solve this as anyone karen and and uh, do you have any favorite online tool for example gmail slack zoom i use um asana the project planning yeah. tool i use that all the time and i love it everybody on my team uses it and it's um, it's super clean. It's like seamless to set up. It wasn't it wasn't a pain to get started, and um, we're so much more. It's so much easier to follow up with people, and it um, it takes it takes a lot of the onus off of email um, as a team communication tool. Um, I I like it. I know that in some ways, like some people use Slack in the way that we use um, Asana, but Slack becomes a little bit like there's a tendency for Slack to create a lot of like noise during the day. So um, now I'm, I'm really liking Asana. Absolutely. Asana is also one of my favorite tools. Um, so so uh, Lindsay, what is the best way people can buy your book, uh, Forging and Ironclad Brand? Yeah. So the book is available on Amazon. It's available on IndieBound, all of the usual suspects. Uh, It's called Forging an Ironclad Brand, A Leader's Guide. And if listeners are interested, I have a free giveaway on my business's website. So my business's website is ironcladbrandstrategy.com. And I offer a workbook that is adapted from, from the book, Forging an Ironclad Brand. And the workbook serves as a supplement to the book. It's this step-by-step workbook guide of the method that I use to build a brand strategy and that I unveil in the book. So you can find that at ironcladbrandstrategy.com. 
Okay, we'll we'll also put that in the show notes. And uh, what are the best way people can reach out to you? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, Lindsay right. Peterson and Peterson is P E D E R S E N. Um, so I would love for folks to follow on LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, I also have an email newsletter that I send out once a month, and you can register for that um, on my business's website, ironcladbrandstrategy.com, or you can LinkedIn message me and I'll put you on that list. And I use that every month. I try to talk about a, a provocative topic in brand and leadership um, that just goes out to folks who've registered every, every month or so. Right. Uh, Linda, thank you so much for coming onto the show and uh, best of luck for your, for your new book. Thank you. It's been really fun. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.